tomorrow morning. So you are very welcome to join us for those services. And there's no prayer meeting on Thursday this coming week. Well, I'd like to wish you a happy and joyful Christmas. You see, the trouble is our happiness is dependent on our circumstances and it can fluctuate. But joy in knowing the Lord runs far, far deeper for us. Uh, So we can have joy present in our loneliness. We can have joy alive during our time of bereavement. We can have joy that brings a settled peace during times of stress and chaos. So however Christmas is turning out for us, I pray God will bless you with not just happiness, but a joy that runs far deeper. Well, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, and as we meet on the Lord's Day, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. The Christian faith isn't a blind faith. We have the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And all the historical records and the reliable eyewitness accounts all point to the fact that this obscure baby Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And he is who he claimed to be. And so as Christians we can be confident in our faith. And inevitably he, uh, we owe him our worship. And we're going to sing our first song together this morning and it's called Here I Am to Worship so let's stand and do that
We're going to pray together. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we pray that you will lead us in our time of prayer now. Lord, help us to pray together. We've come to meet together as your people on the Lord's Day and we are greatly privileged. And Lord, we want to bring this morning our worship to you, the one and the true living God. We come in admiration and praise of your wonderful Son, Jesus, Glory to God in the highest for sending his son to us. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that the Father loved the world and sent his son. That the son willingly came and offered himself on our behalf. We just cannot grasp the, the depth to which he plummeted from the glory of heaven to the squalor of this earth to the poverty of his family, to the obscurity of everything that happened, indeed the scandal as it appeared. And yet our Lord Jesus came humbly as our servant. He came as the servant king, that he might stand in our place, that he might live our life and experience our suffering, experience our trial, and indeed by the end of it all, none of us, None of our suffering could ever compare to the suffering that he went through. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you, not only for your birth, but your perfect life, your sinless life, your sacrificial death, your triumphant resurrection and your glorious ascension back into glory. Lord, thank you that we are in gospel days where we have so much in front of us, so much to base our faith on in Jesus Christ and in the reliability of his word. Maybe the greatest obstacle for some of us is just simply our unbelief. And Lord, I pray for for such people that they will be drawn to you in faith. That Lord, you will shine the light of the gospel into their hearts so that it makes sense, so that it just seems to fit in place, so that they can now say, I know, and like the Samaritans, we no longer, um, we have heard from ourselves and we believe that indeed this is the Son of God. Lord, I pray you bring each of us here and any watching online to a point where we can confidently say that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That your Spirit has worked in our our lives and has shone into the darkness of our unbelief and our rebellion against you and transformed us into the kingdom of your Son. Lord, what a great Christmas that would be for us if we have up till now lived in darkness and astray from you. Lord, you call each one of us to repentance and to faith in your Son. Help us to respond today, Lord, I pray. And those of us who have lived the Christian life for many years, we ask that you will only strengthen and deepen our faith in you, So that when the trials and the sufferings which inevitably come to each of us at different points in our lives will be a time when our faith is tested and that indeed our roots are deep in your word and in Christ himself. And so Lord I pray this morning for those who will find this Christmas difficult. Loved ones who were with us last year won't be this year. 
where bereavement feels real, even if it's years old, where loneliness can, can feel a big uh, present guest with us, where the struggles and the difficulties of life press in and the responsibilities of family life, of business, working life. Oh Lord, we pray that this Christmas there will just be a, a bit of time for us to have re- re- relax and to have peace, but to know that joy which is uh, much deeper than the happiness which is often superficial and dependent on our circumstances. Lord, we pray for folk who are perhaps joining this morning from their beds in their homes or from their care homes. We pray you'll bless them in the uh, seclusion of um, that way of life perhaps for many years now. We pray, Lord, that you'll be very present and close to them. Lord, we pray this morning for Philip Cheetah in hospital. We pray that you'll bring peace to his troubled mind. We pray for all those who suffer with mental health and the torment that can bring. We pray for your peace and we pray for a faith which clings on and knows your presence through that time of suffering. We pray for a time of delivering and freedom from it. Lord, we pray. Many of us will know John Cruz from the past and we pray for him up in Carlisle in intensive care for a couple of weeks now. We ask, we thank you for the progress that's been made and we pray for healing to, to keep coming for him and that you'd bless him and Esther at this time. Lord, we pray for your blessing on each one of us here. We just stop sometimes and, and think of just our cup runs over with your goodness. Through good days, through bad days, you remain unchanged. You are still good all of the time and we, we want to offer our thanks this morning for filling our lives with good things. Help us not to take them for granted. Many of us are blessed with good health and good strength. Help us to be good stewards of it, that we might use that in your service while it is still given to us. Lord, bless this time of year for our families. We pray that it will be a time of uniting, perhaps where there is a rift, for relationships that are strained. We pray that it will be a time of um, reconciliation, of love and of kindness. Lord, we pray for those who are uh, working over this period in the emergency services. Lord, we ask that you'd help them. We especially pray for Christians who are locked up in prison throughout the world where they are suffering for their faith. Lord, we pray that you'd, perhaps they don't know what day it is even, uh, or what time of year it is, but you are able to uh, break through chains and thick walls of uh, security to be with them and we ask for your blessing on them. Not just for their freedom we pray, but for a resilience and an endurance and a joy in the Lord. Lord, we pray for peace where there is war. We pray for relief where there is suffering. Lord, this world is so broken And so much of it is down to the fallenness of the human race, our greed, our hatred, our violence. Lord, we we pray that in the darkest parts of the world, the light of the gospel will shine brightly to bring new life, to bring love, 
to bring harmony. And Lord, indeed, as your people, we look forward to the day when you are having a fresh start, where all things will be made new, where there will just be righteousness. What a great prospect that is. What a great day we look forward to. And until that day, Lord, help us to share the good news of the gospel with others around us. Lord, bless Mark as he preaches for us this morning and bless our time of worship together, we pray. Amen. Well, our first, first Bible reading is in Luke chapter 1 and that's on page 855 of the Church Bible. <clears throat> we're reading Luke chapter 1 and we're going to start at verse 5 through to 23. And then verse 57 to 66. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zachariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you, and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak, until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realised that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And now over the page, we are in verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. 
and her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, Well, none of your relatives is called by that name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbours, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judah. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Well, after our next song, Luke will be doing the children's talk, so if you're primary school age, do come down to the front. Well, we're going to sing our second hymn and it follows the whole theme of God speaking light into the darkness at the time of creation and it sort of parallels that with God speaking light of the gospel into people's hearts and uh, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5 5 says um, for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So let's stand and sing this hymn.
Good morning, everyone. So, everyone. Great. Well, who is excited? Who's excited for Christmas? Show up your hands if you're excited. And on a one to ten, how excited are you? You're already a 10. There's nowhere to go from here. There's going to be a long day for mum and dad. Fantastic. There's a lot to excite you. What's your favourite things about Christmas? Go on, Harvey. Very good. You get to celebrate Jesus' birth. Number one, I like that. Yep. Yep. Kiss your face. Yep. See your family. Presents. Yeah, that was the one we all want to say, isn't it? Katie? Yeah, having Christmas dinner with friends. Turkey, you love a bit of turkey. Fantastic. There are lots to look forward to, but the really important one is the one that Harvey got from the off, wasn't it? That we, we use all these things to help celebrate Jesus' birth. All the time we're using those things that way, then we're, we're doing the right thing. Well, I expect you all know the Christmas story. Have you heard the Christmas story before? Jesus in it, you know? Yeah. And who, who are some of the characters in the, in the Christmas story? Henry. Julius. Caesar Augustus, very good, yeah, quite an out there one, yeah. Who else? The wise men, yeah. Shepherds, the kings, yeah. Any more? King Herod, yeah. Baby Jesus, wouldn't be the story without baby Jesus, would it? Yeah, see me. Mary and Joseph, yeah. I think we've probably covered most of them, haven't we? Well, my favourite ones, I've got a clue about my favourite one. And this was because when I was in year two, I'm, in my nativity, this was I was this character. Okay, what I'm gonna do is a clue inside this apple as to my favourite character, which hopefully is just gonna work nice. Yes, it's worked. This is the clue. Can you see that? You look from a distance. What can you see? It's quite, yeah, it is a bit like a cross. I think there's actually a bit. It's a star, isn't it? So who do you reckon that? Who, which, who do you reckon my favourite character is then? Well, Jesus. Jesus is my favourite character overall. Yeah, of course. But actually, I wasn't Jesus in the nativity play. No. Uh, no, it wasn't Angel Gabriel. Who, who, who followed the star? Who was the star, Katie? The wise men, yeah. Oh yeah, for those of you that can't see this low, hopefully you can see that. If not, there you go. There's a little star in the middle of an apple. Who knew? But the wonderful thing about the wise men, the thing I love about the wise men is that they were very wise because they went to find Jesus. And they've got a Bible verse here that I need someone with a big loud voice to read. Katie Rose, will you read that nice and loud for us? Fantastic, yeah. And so what did they want to know? Where is the baby who was born? So they were looking for Jesus. They'd made this great long journey for hundreds of miles and they didn't use a car or a plane, did they? How do you reckon they got there? What do you reckon, Amy? Camels, maybe? Yeah, maybe some animals. Well, it's hell. Yeah, maybe bring some, on some animals to travel but a long, long way. So they travelled for many days. And for them, it was totally worth it because what did they want to do? 
They wanted to see. They wanted to see Jesus, didn't they? And that was I, that's what I love about them. They were so determined to come all that way. That's how important it was to them that they thought they'd travel those hundreds of miles, following the star all the way. And that's exactly what we need to be doing, isn't it? That's this Christmas, like Harvey said right at the start. What did you say, Harvey? Get to celebrate Jesus' birth. And so this Christmas, well, we won't get to see Jesus with our eyes, like the wise men eventually did. They went, didn't they? Because they took presents. What were their presents? Give me one of them, maybe. Gold. Oh, gold, frankincense and myrrh. They took presents, didn't they? And so they went all that way to find, to find Jesus because they were desperate to see Jesus. So we won't see Jesus with our eyes this Christmas, will we? But we might be able to, we want to pray that we can see Jesus by faith. So Jesus would be really important to us at the front of our minds when we're doing all these things like opening gifts. We want to be thinking about Jesus and have the determination of the wise men who followed the star all the way to, all the way to Bethlehem. And we want to, we want our hearts to be seeing Jesus as well. So I just want to pray quickly before we, before we carry on the service, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the wise men who were so determined to go and see Jesus. And I pray that you will help each of us here this morning to have that same determination that we will see Jesus. Please be the most important thing to us this Christmas time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Luke. Well, we've got a few more verses to read in, uh, towards the end of the chapter in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 67 to 79. Um, that was on page 856. Luke 1, verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Well, before Mark comes to preach to us, we're going to sing one more time. And it is the song, Look to the Skies, There's a Celebration.
morning and uh, uh, another warm welcome and a welcome as well to those of you uh, on live stream. Well, tonight, uh, many kids, uh, as we've already seen, and probably not a small amount of adults, will go to bed eagerly anticipating the morning. Go to bed excited about waking up tomorrow. Any adults who attend here? Maybe a few of you. I suspect that many will be waking up before the the sun, waking up at the crack of dawn, been waiting a long time. And finally, tomorrow morning, the morning will have come. Christmas will have come. Well, in Luke chapter 1 that we're, we're looking at this morning, it's about celebrating the dawn of a a glorious new day, a glorious new day in the history of the world. It's not just a a 24-hour day like Christmas will be tomorrow. It's it's a new era that's being brought in, a new era that's going to change the world. I chose the the songs that we sung after I selected my title. Did you notice, though, what we just sang? Verse 2 Light of your face, come to pierce our darkness. Joy of your heart, come to chase our gloom. Star of the morning, a new day dawning. Make our hearts your home. This new day dawning is something that is making Zechariah sing with joy. That's what we're going to look at this morning, Zechariah singing with joy. But Christmas music's everywhere at the minute, isn't it? You can't really get away from it. You go in the shops and it's there. You put on the radio and it's there. If you've been in schools, it will be there. And I, th- I think it's fair to say, I think you'll agree with me, that some Christmas songs are better than others, aren't they? If I was to say to you, what's your favourite Christmas song, or what's your favourite Christmas carol, I wonder what you'd say. Perhaps, a, perhaps an easier question is, uh, if I asked you, what, uh, what Christmas song do you not like, what would you say? Because most of us have a passionate dislike for at least one Christmas song, don't we? I think that's true. Well, in the first two chapters of Luke, there are three Christmas songs. I doubt it many of you have got them on your playlist, but they are three incredible songs. One of them is sung by Mary. It's called the Magnificat. Mary magnifies the Lord with praise. That's what that one's all about. Another song is sung by Simeon. It's called the Nunc Dimittis which means permission to leave. And if you know the story of Simeon, you'll know why it's called that. But we're going to look at the third song this morning. Uh, This is a song of Zechariah. This song is called Benedictus, or so I'm told. Benedictus. And it's in Zechariah's song that we see the dawning of this new day. The dawning of this new day. But I will warn you that it is near the end of his song. So we will have to build up to it. It will take a little bit of time to get there, but I believe it's worth it to do that. We see his song, Benedictus, in Luke 1, 68 to 79. But before we get to the song, I want us to think a little bit about the background of the song. Because sometimes, when you know the background of a song... It's a lot more powerful, isn't it? If you know there's a story behind it. Maybe some of you have got sort of your favourite song or two. And there's a story behind how it was written or what it's actually about. And when you know that, it's a lot more powerful. 
So, for example, if you know the, the, the tragic story behind the hymn that we sometimes sing, When Peace Like a River, well, if you know that story, it's, it's more amazing when you're singing, It is well, it is well with my soul. But let's have a look at the, the background uh, to this song. So, Zachariah's a priest, and uh, he's got a wife called Elizabeth. They're both described as righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But does that mean they're perfect? Because surely the Bible says no one's perfect, no one's righteous. Well, it doesn't mean they're, they're perfect here. It doesn't mean they're deserving of heaven. But they were obedient to God. They were faithful. They did seek to obey him in everything that he says. They did love the Lord. But they have a sadness in their life. They haven't got any children. And now they're both too old for kids. And it's a real sadness. It's a big sadness for people today. And especially in those days when they relied so much on their children to care for them, to provide for them, not having a child was devastating. Well, one day, uh, Zachariah's division of priests is on duty There's loads of priests. And basically they cast lots to see who's going to be the one to go into the temple to burn incense. And it's pretty rare that you get selected. But Zechariah gets selected by the casting of lots. And he has the special privilege of going into the temple to burn incense. And as he goes in, there's this whole crowd of people outside all praying. So it's a big occasion that he's involved in, a big responsibility. But being chosen to go into the temple isn't the biggest, most amazing thing that happens to Zechariah that day. Normally it would be by quite a long way. But what happens? Well, he goes in and he's confronted by Gabriel, the angel of the Lord. And the angel says, don't be afraid. Why? Because Zechariah is terrified. Zechariah is terrified. This is not what he expected. Gabriel says this, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Gabriel says he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit right from birth. He's going to turn many people to God. And he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to be the Elijah that was prophesied about before. Well, maybe unsurprisingly, Zechariah has questions. Sorry, what? I'm old. My wife's old. We can't have children. How how is it going to work? They're understandable questions, right? And yet we get a a glimpse into his heart here and we see that those questions are driven by unbelief. He's not believing what the angel will say. He thinks, well, that's impossible. And because of his unbelief, the angel says to Zechariah, well, you won't be able to speak until these things come to pass. Until that baby's born, you won't be able to speak. And it seems like he can't hear either, because other people are communicating in sign language to him too. They're sort of making up sign language as they go. must have been chaos. Well, six months later, and Zechariah has had plenty of time to think Plenty of time to think about the message that you heard back in the temple. But then there's another event that really cranks everything up a 
a notch. Elizabeth's cousin Mary turns up, pregnant. So we've got an old lady pregnant, and now we've got a virgin pregnant. God is at work. With Zechariah then has another three months to think about all of this, to process all of this. And you've got to remember that Zechariah was a priest. He would have known the Old Testament really well. He would have known all the, the promises. And as he's thinking, he's starting to connect things together. He's starting to remember the things that God has said. And he realises that after literally thousands of years, God has chosen to get his plan up and running through him. He's the first person that God comes to to get his plan properly up and running. To bring his baby, this baby into the world. So, Elizabeth has a baby. And in a sign of uh, belief and obedience to God, he doesn't call him Zachariah, much to the shock of those around him, but instead... He, uh, he says his name will be John. He writes it on the first generation tablet. And suddenly, he can hear and he can speak again. And what's the first thing he says after nine months? Well, the Bible says he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he speaks the words of the prophetic Benedictus. It's a song that blesses and praises and exalts and worships God. That's what he does after nine months. He worships God. So that's the background. Well, there's too much detail to go into it all. But there's three words in this that have got me thinking this week, that I've enjoyed looking at. Thankfully, they all begin with S. So that works well. I hope it helps us remember it as we go through. In fact, just have a quick look. 68 to 79. There's not actually that many words that begin with S, so that might give you a bit of a, a head start. Just have a look. 68 to 79. Try and think about what words might I be picking just to, to think about. I'm going to give you the first one. I suspect you'll have got this one. Salvation. Salvation. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. That's how he starts this song. See, throughout the Old Testament, when God's people were in trouble, they cried out to God. And God raised up men and women to save them, to rescue them, and to lead them. So, he raised up people like Moses, that some of us have been thinking about on a Sunday morning recently. He raised up people like Gideon, and Deborah, and and kings like David. But now, now God is coming himself. Now God himself is visiting. He's not visiting through other people. Now God himself is visiting the world. 
And he's raising up a horn of salvation. Well, an ox's horn was used for protecting it and for uh, defeating its enemies. In the Old Testament, an ox's horn is a sign of power and strength. Sometimes it is used to describe a mighty warrior or a mighty king. The horn of salvation. So a mighty saviour is coming into the world. That's, that's the picture it's got here. There's going to be some mighty salvation going on. This mighty saviour is going to save his people from their enemies. This is what Zechariah sings in 71 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. Now, of course, many Jews back then thought that the Messiah was going to come and save them from the Romans. That was their big idea. Even John the Baptist was a bit confused about this later on. They were the enemy in, in their eyes. Maybe Zechariah had this a little bit in mind. But Zechariah also understands that this mighty saviour is going to deliver them from much more than just the Romans, even if it is the Romans. He's going to crush far greater opposition. The saviour is going to rescue them from what Paul describes as the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He's going to rescue them from the curse of sin that keeps us prisoner and leads us to death. You know, this saviour needs to be a mighty saviour because those things are powerful. The spiritual forces, death, sin, none of us can defeat them. But there's a mighty saviour coming who can save us. And Zachariah's son, he's going to be the one that's going to come into the world and he's going to tell the world about how they can be saved. And so Zachariah, in this song that he's sort of singing or speaking, it's like he's talking about praising God for everything that he's done sort of in the history of the world and it's all very wide and then suddenly he says, and you child, and it's almost like you can imagine him sort of lifting up his baby in his arms and he says, you child will be called the prophet of the Most High for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. You see, his son John is going to be the one to point everyone to the Lord Jesus. He's the one coming into the world. John the Baptist is going to be the one to tell them how to be saved. How we can have our sins dealt with. Do you remember the message of John the Baptist? He goes out and he says, repent and be baptised. Repent and be baptised. Confess your sins. Follow Jesus. That is the way that we are saved. That is the way that we are saved. And you know, this morning, maybe you're feeling guilty. Maybe you feel too dirty for God. Too far gone for forgiveness. Maybe you even feel out of place in a church like this. Or feel like if, if people really knew you, then they, they wouldn't want you here. Maybe you've thought something along the lines of this. God would never want to forgive someone like me. And in verse 78, Zechariah sings about the tender mercy of our God. The tender mercy of our God. You see, the whole point of mercy is that it's undeserved. 
See, if you're thinking you don't deserve forgiveness, good, because you don't. But there is the tender mercy of our God. It is undeserved. And notice that it's tender mercy. The, the idea here is that, that this mercy is driven by a love from God. It's like this, this love that's deep within him that longs to forgive, that longs to show mercy. If you're feeling guilty and it's overwhelming you or you feel your shame or you feel dirty, not good enough for God, well, no one's good enough for God. Actually, everyone's guilty. What do you do? John the Baptist tells us, he says, go to Jesus to receive forgiveness. Go to Jesus to receive forgiveness. John the Baptist was pointing everyone to the way of salvation. And by the way, just how good was this to Zachariah? Because remember, the, the last thing that he had said before this song that he's singing, the last thing that he had said was nine months ago and was a demonstration of unbelief. Now, he was, he was a righteous man, a godly man. He wanted to do what was right. So for those nine months, he'd had that constant reminder of his unbelief. And then finally, he, he has this baby that's going to point to Jesus who is going to be the one that can forgive him for that, that can take away his guilt. Well, what a wonderful thing for Zachariah. And it's a beautiful thing for you and me too. Alistair Begg, um, he's a, a Scottish preacher who preaches in America. He said this this week, a God who cannot forget chooses to forget. A God who cannot forget chooses to forget. That's what he does when we confess our sins to him, when we repent and when we follow him. So, salvation. Second word. Serve. I wonder if many of you got this. Serve. That's what it says in uh, verse 73. Uh, well, verse 74 actually. That we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now, one of the things that's quite easy to get wrong, I think, when you, you grow up in a church, and I've experienced this, and I, I know many others have too, is that we can grow up with this kind of feeling that Jesus is kind of the ticket into heaven. So we kind of accept Jesus, and then... And then we're into heaven. And of course then after that, people are like, well, what do I do now? I'm, I'm kind of, I've got my ticket, what do I do? And that's all Jesus is for people. So it's good to correct people and say, no, actually knowing Jesus is, is about, it's about a relationship. Jesus isn't just a ticket, it's about knowing God. It's about um, Jesus being our older brother, about God being our father. Uh, and that's good and that's true and that's helpful. But actually, it's more than that, really, because it's not just about knowing him. We're here to serve him. We're here to serve him. See, so often it's all about us. You know, when Jesus is just our ticket, it's about us, isn't it? I've got my ticket into heaven. And so often, when we think about our relationship with God, sometimes the danger can be that we think about, oh, we've got this wonderful relationship to God, so that means I can pray to God for whatever I want, and that means that God will comfort me whenever I need him to. And again, those are wonderful things, but so often it can just be about me. 
What can God do for me? But Zechariah knows that we're saved to serve. We're saved to serve. Is it what he says, verse 74, that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him. Well, as I mentioned briefly earlier, in the the mornings here, fairly recently we've been going through Exodus and we're looking forward to continuing that in the new year. But do you remember what uh, God tells Moses to tell Pharaoh? He says, let my people go so that they may worship me, so that they may serve me. You see, God says, I'm going to save you so that you can worship me. God saves us so we can worship and serve him. And I I just want to ask, if you have been saved, maybe you're here and you know your sins have been forgiven, it's a wonderful thing, but but is this your attitude? That you're here to serve, you've been saved to serve God. If you're honest with yourself, is it possible that actually your faith in God has become about what God can do for, for you? Or have you got that attitude that Zachariah said that delighted in the fact that he could serve God? You know, I'm so thankful that so many of you here have that wonderful servant-hearted attitude in your life that says it is God's time, it's not mine. It's a wonderful attitude to have. It's a God-honouring attitude to have. But notice what Zachariah says about the serving as well that is so amazing, says that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. When I first saw it, because verse 74 talks about the enemies, I thought it was this idea of serving God uh, because the enemies aren't there, we can then serve him without fear because there are no enemies. Well, there's there's an element of truth in that for sure. But I think it's this idea of actually serving God without fear. Because you see, serving God in the Old Testament, serving God like um, Zechariah did, it was a privilege, but it was a scary thing. Because you were coming near to God as a sinner, and God has made it very clear that God cannot tolerate sin. There were so many rules to follow, so many things you had to do right, and if there were missteps, it led to death. When Zechariah enters the temple and he he sees the the angel in Luke 1, how does he react? He's full of fear. He's full of fear. And did you notice, that's just an angel that stands in the presence of God. That's not even God that he's met. But Zechariah knows this. He knows that because there's a mighty saviour coming, he will be able to serve God without fear. In fact, Zechariah is going to serve God in righteousness and holiness. Because this saviour, Jesus, is going to take away his sin and he's going to make him holy and he's going to make him righteous. This is what Paul tells the Ephesians in the New Testament. He says, if we're Christians, we need to put on the new self. We need to put on the new self. Listen to this created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's how we're to serve God. Clothed in Jesus, made holy, made righteous, so that we can come into God's presence without fear. In fact, quite the opposite, we can come into God's presence with joy. 
if we serve him in the right way because of Jesus, we don't have to fear God. We can have joy in his presence. And for Zechariah, that is something worth singing about. But now we get to the the final two verses of this this song. The whole song is special. It's why I wanted to speak on the whole lot of it. Uh, But these are the two verses that um, I've really enjoyed thinking about. They've particularly struck me this week. They're, They're beautiful. Throughout the Old Testament, as I said, God sends men and women to rescue his people. And they could rescue them from the the Philistines or the Egyptians like Moses did. They could do that with God's help. But they could never never deal with with the root of the problem. They could never deal with the real enemy. They could never deal with sin. The curse of sin. Or the power of the devil. And so symbolically and, and spiritually, the Old Testament is a time of darkness. And there's these like flickers of light where, where God makes his promises and where he gets people to work. And it's like someone going about with a candle or someone going about with a torch. But, but it's a time of darkness. But now, all of that is changing. Zechariah understands that all this is leading to the dawn of a new day, a new era. We've got to the title. And our final word sunrise sunrise so second half of verse 78 whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace I've read those quite quick they're not going up on the screen if you uh if you get a chance this afternoon, I know it's a busy weekend, but if you get a chance this afternoon, spend a bit of time thinking about 78 and 79. I, I, can't, I can't spend as much time as I'd love to focus on these two verses, but maybe even memorise them. But these two verses are really special. The sun is rising. Light is flooding into the world. It's darkness that represents evil and sin and death is being scattered because the light is coming. And the light brings goodness. And the light brings life. Zechariah here is using the language of Malachi. That's what it says in Malachi 4. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. I always used to wonder what in its wings meant. I thought, well, the sun doesn't have wings. Well, I think probably a better understanding for us is in its rays. In its rays. I love that description, this idea that wherever the sun shines its rays, that's where there is healing. As this sun, as it rises, and as the light starts to sort of permeate the earth, everywhere it touches, there will be healing. It's eliminating the darkness. It's eliminating the curse of sin. And in in Luke 4, just uh, three chapters after this, we see that the Son of Righteousness here is the Son of God. The Son of Righteousness here is the Son of God. Jesus says, look, this is what I came to do. He, He opens Isaiah 61, and this is what he says, I came to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up or to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, 
and release from darkness for the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what Jesus came to do as he, as he comes to bring light into this dark world? And that's what he did, isn't it? As he goes around and he heals people and he, he cures the blind, he helps them to see, helps the lame walk. He reverses death sometimes. You see how he goes about reversing the curse, bringing light into the darkness, bringing life into where there is death. And then, of course, you see that, that time on, on Easter Sunday morning when he, he defeats his own death, where, when he ultimately conquers sin and death forever. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He says, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see that? If you follow Jesus, you will have light, which is life. You know, the sad thing is, is that not everyone likes the light. Some people prefer the darkness. You know, there's two approaches that, that we can make when we experience the light of Jesus. We can accept it. We can accept the healing rays as it shines upon us. And as it shines, it doesn't just shine upon us, it shines into us, it shines in our hearts. And as John said, it shines into our hearts and it gives us the knowledge of God. That's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. As Jesus shines his light, Accept the rays of healing. Let it deal with the darkness that is both around you but also in you. Because the other option that we can do is we can hide from the light. We all know different creatures, don't we, that, that scuttle away from the light. You know, sadly, that's what some people do. They prefer the darkness. As God shines his glorious light, they prefer hiding away. You know, God says judgment is coming for the darkness. Don't hide in the darkness. Come to the light. Even if you don't feel like you belong in the light, even if you feel like your guilt is so much that you have to hide away, no, come to the light because it is in the light where you are healed. It's the light where you are forgiven. Come now while you can. And what does he say? He says he will guide the feet of his people into the way of peace. Into the way of peace. Uh, as we see the light so we see how we can have peace through Jesus. And it's this peace that is this shalom, this kind of wholeness, everything being right, everything being well. So the sunrise has come, the light has come into the world. Well, just a, a bit of a thought to finish. Um, one of the songs that I've heard so many times um, I haven't actually heard it at all this year, but maybe that's because I haven't been out so much, uh, is Slade. So here it is, Merry Christmas. We know it all, right? Many of us will. And uh, I was looking at the story, actually, of, of the, the sort of background to this song. And this is what that they write about it. It said, Economically, the country was up the creek. The miners had been on strike along with the grave diggers, the bakers, and almost everyone, everybody else. I think people wanted something to cheer them up. And so did I. That's why I came up with the line, 
Look to the future now. It's only just begun. Look to the future now. It's only just begun. Well, it links in remarkably well with a message uh, I got this morning. And uh, the, the funny thing about this message is that uh, I got it and I immediately thought, well, I've obviously read all about what I'm doing this morning. And uh, know what I'm doing, I've read about it. And uh, anyway, I got another message saying, this reminds me of what you said on Thursday. Which, it, it does link to that, but wow, it links to this morning. This is, this is what it, it says. So it's quoting Proverbs 4.18. The light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. That's Proverbs 4.18. And then there's a little bit of text underneath. They, they didn't write this, but just sent it. For though Christmas is like a sunrise, it does not lead to a sunset. This earthbound life we live is leading us to a high heavenly noon. And really it's this picture that at Christmas we get this sunrise. We get the light coming into the world. And we see the light sort of penetrating into the world. And we see Jesus doing his work. And we see people being saved. And we see good things in the world because of Jesus. But, but there is still darkness, isn't there? As we look around at the world today, we think, there's so much darkness. But you know, Jesus isn't finished yet. Look to the future now. It's only just begun. You see, the sun is going to keep rising. And then the Bible says one day Jesus is going to come again and he will flood the earth with light. He will dispel darkness forever. He will deal with darkness forever. And and for those who believe in him, for those who follow him, for those who have repented, we'll be in God's presence and there will be no darkness. There will be no death. There will be no tears. There will be no sadness. There will be pure peace. And that for us is where Christians find real hope this Christmas. Not just from the past, but what it's all leading to. And my hope for you this morning is that if you don't know that light, if you're in the darkness, if you feel guilt, if you feel shame, Jesus is the light of the world. Zachariah was so excited, he sang this song about it. That his son was going to be the one that was going to prepare for the light to come into the world, Jesus Christ. He's where we find our real hope. Well, we're going to sing our final song this morning. Uh, I'm not going to tell you why I've chosen it. Uh, It is a carol. It's a well-known carol. uh, But I hope it will be very obvious. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing together.
Lord God, I thank you so much for the things that we've been thinking about this morning. I thank you so much for Zachariah's joy and for how he praised you and longed to serve you. And Lord, I pray that that would be our attitude too. Lord, help us to realise the wonder of this new sunrise. In Jesus' name, Amen.